Hello, Sober Town, and welcome to the Sober Town podcast. Welcome aboard the Sober Train. My name is Polly. I haven't been here for a while. I have been a little absent because um, I have been recovering from surgery. So this is absolutely wonderful for me to get back on the sober train. And I am on the sober train with my one and only sober buddy, Mr. Drifter. Good morning, Drifter. Hello, Polly. Looking swell, (laughs) Polly. It's so nice to have you back where you belong. <clears throat> Thank you very much. And I can't much. sing worth a darn, but hey, who cares? <laughs> Me neither at the moment. You're <laughs> back, and that's what's really cool, Polly. Um, seven weeks, that's a long time. Yes. But you're back better than ever, huh? <laughs> I had to go look for my headset. <laughs> I've been moving my office around and I couldn't find anything. <laughs> it's on your head, Polly. <laughs> it's on my head now. It's like, where's my glasses? <laughs> but, uh, well, you're, very- let's talk about, you got a clean bill of health. Yes, I did, actually. And I think the reason I got a clean bill of health within six weeks of surgery is because there is nothing but clean blood running through my body, healing me. No that poison. Is the best. No poison, no poison, no poison. And um, yes, I am starting to get back into what I would call my regular life, my regular sober life. And I would like you. Well, let's talk, talk about. I just heard last night that gratefulness helps healing. Gratitude, yes. Gratitude. Uh, And then, so, but you have a clear mind. I do have a clear mind. It's not fogged. There's no alcohol fogging up my head. And my thoughts are all over the place, but not in a bad way. I'm not like the little hamster running round and round in the wheel. No, you're Polly. (laughs) yeah Yeah, Pollyanna some people call me some people say it's Pollyism but the one thing I'm realizing is I'm thinking yes and different you know although there's lots of thoughts going around in my head all the time they're thinking thoughts they're not anxiety they're not shame they're not feeling desperate these are good, clean thoughts, and I love this thinking. And you... When's the last are, time you woke up like that, Polly? This morning. You, I, well, in the shame and the despair. Yeah. On um, June the 3rd. So you haven't... We've been sober now about 16 months. Yeah. And you haven't woken up with shame, guilt, remorse, wanting in to die. Months. Is this all I have in life? Uh, 16 months and in that 16 months you my friend have been building some mr um i'm not leaving my footprint anywhere on this um oh internet. yeah i was, I was <laughs> social media huh yeah I still am in a way so you tell us what you have built in your sobriety so yeah elaine built this this website for silvertownpodcast.com and that's what she does. She builds websites with she's champion creatives.com was created through Elaine. Yeah. Um, once we started the podcast, I'm like, man, I need some help. I can't do this by myself. And I put um, a post up on IES, the I am sober app where all of this started. Yeah. Todd responded to it. And of course you've been right next to me this whole time. And Todd responded 
man, Todd is just amazing. The, the things that he's built, if you go on the, the podcast and then the drop down menu, sobriety blogs. So we have Todd's blogs. In those blogs, we have sobriety discussions. So the sober toolboxes, there's like one through 13 sober toolboxes where you can have, um, I mean, they cover everything, accountability, positive, negative mindset, triggers, one day at a time, drinker versus non-drinker, sober mindset, <clears throat> growth is fixed. Then he's got four, four different blogs on cravings. Right now we have one through nine with the audio and with each one of the, the blogs. So at, you, can I interrupt a second there? Cause I have to say, I find that a wonderful way of learning in that I can read and listen at the same time. That's why I love my new computer because <laughs> I've got one of those computers that I can do immersive reading on where I can read it and it can talk to me at the same time. So I find that is a great way of absorbing information. I just wanted to put that out there, people. You can read it and you can hear him talking at the same time as you're reading it, which just doubly helps, I think. It's powerful, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah. To read and, and listen <clears throat> at the same time. Or, yeah. or if, you're, if you need to listen, you're out cleaning the garage or doing dishes or whatever you're doing, mm -hmm. pop on the audio and get, get a silver toolbox going. And, even, yes. and then he has uh, my body, your body on booze. There's three of them on there that your liver, what alcohol does to your body. Understanding ethanol, how do you say that? Acetaldehyde. Acetaldehyde. Where that's what your body converts, converts the alcohol to, which is even more dangerous and attacks your body on a cellular level. And then your body on booze the mouth. What happens when you drink alcohol? All of those have audio to them too. And then the sober, the sober discussions that Todd has, has written, my, one of my favorites, if it fires together, it wires together. We're going to be talking a lot about that today, Polly, because okay. we're going to get into like a little bit of what we understand about cognitive dissonance and the attic voice, which I think is like the number one culprit in, in what drives us back to relapse, that voice that doesn't shut up. We've got some of these that have been converted to audio, like um, if it fires together, it wires together, record expectations. Um, does drinking alcohol cause us to age faster? Priority number one in judgment, despite all your rage. All of those have audio to them right now. So Todd, he's a friggin' machine. Um, yeah, and it, it's all done. This guy works full time, has a young family, and he puts in the time to do these to help people get sober and on their sober journey. You know, time. When people say, well, I haven't got time for that. Bull. You can always find time. Well, it's just amazing when we get sober, Polly, how um, much time we have. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't work the steps, and we've talked about this, that we don't yes. work the steps. And we can look back and see them organically appear uh, in our lives. I just love this. You know, I used to be like, uh, don't tell me about the steps, but now I love the steps. And I like looking at them, how they organically appear and giving back is one of those steps, right? Step 12. And that's what Todd does. He, yeah. he loves uh, Sobertown. He loves giving back. 
nobody's paid to do any of this. It's all volunteer. Everything that you do, mm-hmm. Karina, King, Elaine, the baddies, the baddies, dismiss everybody. Mm-hmm. I must everybody that's um, uh, on the Silvertown crew freely donates their time. And uh, man, I'm just so blessed to be around all of you. And everybody's just amazing. So the thing is, we all we, you're saying you're so blessed to be around us, but we all get the same feeling because it comes back to our connections that we need to be connected to each other. And like you said, um, you you put posts up and you look for um, we don't look for the responses. We're we're grateful that people do come and look and respond. And we get information from it that helps us further along, or we find something that we can put that we can help someone further along. We're all blessed in our own way with a community that understands what we're doing. For me, Polly, I'm doing it for two main reasons. Number one, addiction killed my brother. Yep. And and addiction has uh, devoured my family. I just, I didn't even know this. My grandfather's dad killed himself. And then my grandfather, uh, my mom's dad killed himself when she was 13 years old. That was due to alcoholism. We're seeing the destruction of alcohol for generations just through, there's my mom's side of the family only. I, I don't even know through my dad's family. Okay, the number two reason I'm doing this, Polly, uh, is because it restores my soul. And I've created a lot of damage in my life. Giving back that 12 step, it just restores my soul. And, it, and it, there's a lot of healing I get. Well, my number one reason, and I can only think of my number one reason because everything else has come from that one reason. My one reason was that I didn't want to die. That's it. Full stop. My life had gone to the gray zone you know, a walking corpse. And I suddenly realized I didn't want to die. I didn't want this to be the end. And that was my number one reason. Very, very selfish. I wanted this sobriety for me. There is a third because I could not stand living with myself anymore. That's it. I was a wreck. That's it. Everything else has come from that one decision to do it for me. And as they say, you have to make this about your journey. Everything else comes afterwards. You know, like all this education we're doing as well. We started and we were solely at the beginning focused on staying sober. Once we managed to get some distance between us and the booze, we started, I mean, you'd already started doing your looking into it with your Annie Grace and that, but you've gone even further into this. So Annie Grace started it. So tell me about Annie Grace and how it affected you. The cool thing about IAS is there's more options than just the 12 step program, mm-hmm. right? Because I'd never could dial into AA. My mom put me into rehab when I was 14 years old. I'm 58 years old. That's over 40 years addiction, Polly. I've been in and out of jails, in and out of prison. Well, hell, you go to an AA meeting just to get out of your cell, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and wow, then, I didn't know I've not been in jail. <laughs> <laughs> Good. You're lucky. And I've been through three inpatient rehabs and two outpatient mm-hmm. rehabs. So I've spent a lifetime, both me and my brother that's dead now, we were trying to get off a, 
alcohol or whatever the drugs were because we were garbage cans. We, we took everything. And there's never been any, I, I could never dial into the AA concept, especially about like having a disease that's been a roadblock on okay. my life. Here I am. I get into, I get into the IAS. I reset a couple of times and then I, I get in there and I wake up June 3rd or June 2nd. And I'm like, this is my last chance to try to get sober. And I, I dove into IAS and I started looking around and they're uh, never give up. She was posting about Anna Grace everywhere, right? It was so cool. Everywhere yeah. you saw, you saw never give up posting about Annie Grace. You got to read this book. So that night when I went to work, I jumped on Audible and Audible gave me two free books for 30 day free trial. Okay. And I got Annie Grace and I got uh, This Naked Mind Annie Grace. And then I got Craig Beck, Alcohol Lied to Me. I put in Annie Grace and boom, the, the light came on especially when she started talking about cognitive dissonance all these years, over 40 years of hearing about my addiction, a million different ways, Polly, nobody's ever told me about cognitive dissonance, the mental argument, the conflict yeah. in the brain. It's, yes. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I have a, that's that other voice. That's my subconscious. So I know that once we talked about this this morning, you jumped onto your computer. Yeah. Share some of what you found, because I don't have anything up. The incompatibility dissonance could happen when you do something that goes against a value that's important to you. Or maybe you learn a new piece of information that disagrees with a longstanding belief or opinion. But the, the, the dissonance comes when we know it's bad for us, but then we've got the conflict that we can't that we still drink. So there's your conflict. And there's five, there's a couple of questions you should ask yourself, actually. The next time you find yourself in a moment of cognitive dissonance, you need to ask yourself a few questions. What are the two cognitions that are not fitting together, right? Alcohol. We know it's bad, but we still drink. Those two don't go together. So there's one dissonance. What actions would you need to take to eliminate this? You've got to eliminate the alcohol. Because when you eliminate the alcohol, you take away the dissonance, the, the, the mental arguments. Do you need to change specific behaviors or mindsets? Both. Because both of them cause mental conflict. You have to change your behavior. A, you have to stop drinking. No choice. You have to stop drinking. And B, then you have to start changing your mindset about alcohol, which is what you're doing with a lot of your education and finding out about how the brain works, neural pathways, etc. And then the fourth question, how important is it to, to you to resolve the dissonance? We just gave our reasons. The importance is it's the difference between life and death. You know, that's a lot to understand for someone at day zero right there. Mm -hmm. But in short, there's an argument going between your conscious and your unconscious mind. Now, yeah. your conscious mind is what we're communicating with right now. But your unconscious mind, there's no, you don't, there's no key to your unconscious mind. You can't get in there and just shut this pathway down in your subconscious that you're having an argument with. 
It yeah. wants a drink. You're saying, I don't, I don't want to drink. And I know it consciously that conscious, my mind may even agree with you right here for the moment. Mm-hmm. But as soon as you're in a certain situation, it starts nagging you. I want to drink. I want to drink. It doesn't shut up 24 hours a day. You're using your willpower. It won't shut up. It won't go away. You don't know how to turn that voice off. And it's in conflict. Your conscious is in conflict with your sub, your unconscious. That's the cognitive dissonance, mm-hmm. the battle, which I call the arena, your mind, I call the arena. And the cognitive dissonance is the battle that you're having with this one pathway, this one addiction pathway that it wants a drink. It wants a hit. It wants you to fire something up in your arm and you don't know how to shut it up. It's, it's like, you know, something is wrong, but you do it anyway. And then when you've done it, in come all these emotions of the guilt, the shame, et cetera, and I shouldn't have done it. You know, you know it's wrong, but you still do it. But not and then only you've that, done it and your mind is only- starting to say, well, this is wrong. I shouldn't be doing this. I shouldn't be doing this. There's the argument, the mental argument. And not only do you know what's wrong, Polly, you're sick of waking up like this every day. Oh, <laughs> you're sick of waking up like this. You wake up that morning, you're like, I don't want to wake up like this again. Okay, today I'm done. I'm not going to drink again. I'm not going to wake up with the, the shame, the remorse, the guilt, the regret, and wanting to die. I'm done. Yeah. But then <laughs> that, that pathway is like that morning, it just like disappears, right? And then you go to work and you're doing everything and you think you're on top of it that day. You think, man, I've been on the phone with my wife as I'm just before I leave the yard and I'm coming home from work. Sweetheart, I feel great. I'm not going to stop today. I, I know I'm on top of my game. Two blocks away from my house, Polly, this little thing in my head takes over. That little pathway takes over. And next thing I know, I'm in zombie mode driving into the liquor store. And it's like it's like I'm on the outside looking in watching my body open the cooler door, grab my beer, walk up to the counter, pay for it. And then all of a sudden I'm back in my, co- my truck and I con- I'm conscious going, what the hell did I just do? The inconsistency between what you believe and how you behave. You believe it's bad for you, but you behave in the opposite way. It, it, it's like, I suppose you could call it a yin and a yang in some ways because you've got the little, um, what is it? The, the little good guy on this shoulder and the little bad guy on this shoulder. Literally, you literally and they're arguing it. with you all the time. And it's, it's a feeling, uh, it's feeling uncomfortable before you do something or making a decision. You already feel uncomfortable. You know, drive into the liquor store. It's not really the right thing to do. You're feeling uncomfortable. And then you start trying to justify and rationalize in your mind that this is the right thing. You know, I need to be doing this. Um, And then you're filled with so much anxiety and just the things that that pathway can do to you with building up. You you get so anxious, you're irritable at everybody around you. It's either get a drink or go friggin' crazy. Throw the straight jacket on me. Yeah. And then you've got the embarrassment and the shame because you've done something that you shouldn't have done. And then you're trying to hide your actions from other people. After I left that liquor store, I came home and drank myself into a blackout, not wanting to do it. And I still did it. And then experiencing the guilt and the regret. Yes. Because you did something you knew you'd promised you wouldn't do. And then you did it anyway. 
that the dissonance that that one pathway that's doing this to us we're, we're mm-hmm. Anna Grace explains is, is to get them agree. That's the way I first understood it before I got deeper into the woods with our brain. Just get them mm-hmm. to, to agree and then you can get past some cravings and there's different techniques you can use like ACT or there's just different. I use ACT, which is, I love. Mm-hmm. Well, then right away is what I named that voice, the, their, the attic voice. Yeah. I used to call it the little demon bastard, <laughs> the trickster. <laughs> um, I put a name to it. And then, yep. you know, we saw a lot of people that had names for their voices too. But here's the thing. All of a sudden we were identifying something that was going on that I've never identified in my life. I've never over 40 years of addiction and I had never identified or even thought about that part of my mind that was driving me to drink. And you know what, Polly, there was power in knowing that one piece of information, right? I have, oh, cognitive dissonance. I've got this argument going on with myself. Yeah. And that's when I named, I started calling the mind the arena because the battle is going on in the mind. So I would started doing posts about the arena and about the attic voice and what it does to us. And somehow just knowing about this voice gave me more power over it. Mm -hmm. And then the longer that I was abstinent from the alcohol in my sobriety, the the voice started to fade away. And especially the more I learned about sobriety, uh, the less power that voice had over me. And I was still having some cravings, but not, they weren't overwhelming. Yeah. And I just want to let people know we're working our sobriety on a daily basis. We are really working it. And the one thing you find is while you're working your sobriety, you're managing to keep the voice quiet because you are actively forcing your brain in a different direction. You're forcing your subconscious away. Like we, you talk about, and you've talked about pathways and things like that, neural pathways. When you're working your sobriety, you're actually turning your brain away from the alcohol into a different direction, down a new line of thinking and away from the old stinking, well, Mark, thinking, stinking, drinking, thinking, whatever it is. Mark Lewis talks about that. He's a neuroscientist and he talks mm-hmm. about the frontal lobe. That's like the radar. That's where we focus on our goals. Addiction, used, when it became our, our goal, Everything else faded away, right? Addiction became yes. number one. We were focused on mm-hmm. addiction, our family, our job, consequences for uh, drinking and driving. All of that kind of fell off to the side to where we would do whatever we needed to do to feed to our drink. addiction. And the other things just weren't that important. So when you flip it around and you start focusing on your sobriety, all of a sudden the, the addiction isn't as important as it used to be. Yeah, and the further you get into your sobriety and the more you learn about the addiction, the quieter the voice gets. What else do you have on cognitive dissonance? Let's finish up on oh, that. Oh, um, make it dis- I mean, any cognitive dissonance can affect anything in your life. And it's not just the conflict. It, it is a conflict in the mind. It's a mental thing. And here's another one. Sometimes you find yourself engaging in behaviors that are opposed to your own beliefs. And talking about um, changing your focus from the alcohol away from it and creating a new pathway in your mind to sobriety, because you've got to to think that this is 
This is a new pathway in your mind. And we're always creating new pathways. It happens consistently. And I found an article that uh, talks about creating new neural pathways in the brain. And I thought it was really interesting. And it says that the neural pathways in the brain begin to solidify by age 25. However, new neural pathways can be created with a bit of effort and by challenging yourself to take on new habits and you can grow neurons and create new pathways. So it's, poss- it's not impossible to change your brain's thinking. And even at my age, create pathways. Our, our brain is made to create new pathways. Yeah. Especially before the age of 25. Is that what? Um, It turns out that we as human beings develop neural pathways. And the more we use those neural pathways over the years, over years and years and years, they become very stuck and deeply embedded, moving into deeper portions of the brain. Okay, let's talk about that right there. Yeah. So here we've been drinking all these years. How deep is that attic voice? (laughs) Right? Yeah. It's you know, way, it's got its, it's own little space. It's like if, you, if you read in the in 1930s, they were even doing lobotomies trying to cut yeah. this out of people's heads, yeah. right? They, they um, can't even cut this path. It's so deep in there. It's probably somewhere de- between a soul and a spirit buried. Yeah, they were doing that, frontal right? lobotomies then. And, and then I read, an, I was watching an article yesterday that talks about putting electrodes now in the brain to try and stop cravings. So people who struggle with turning the uh, the craving off, the alcohol voice, the addict. People can pick up Mark um, Lewis's book, yes, the biology of desire. He is he's a neuroscientist, and that's another way you can start shutting this down. And he, he talks about if your focus isn't on the drug, you know, you can build new pathways to where that will eventually fade away. And but it may be really difficult in the beginning. And this, um, this one, this explains that simply put, when the brain is young and not yet fully formed, there's a lot of flexibility and plasticity, which is why kids learn so quickly. There's a lot, you know, that they haven't got all these things in their mind. And even though at our ages, we can no longer learn or alter our ways of thinking so quickly and easily, it is still possible. You know, there are factors that are important in changing your brain. You take on a new challenge, but you have to repeat it. It has to be consistent. Mark Lewis does a video on YouTube, Science of Addiction, and he actually goes in there and he discusses that part where your brain is aging. And and he's even got it in colors where you can see as you grow, uh, how this blue as your brain gets older, how it changes. Even when we get older, it may be a little bit harder to learn, but we can still learn. Yeah. And a part of keep, you have to keep your brain agile. If you think we all think, well, I need to exercise more. I need to eat healthy, things like that. You've got to do exactly the same thing with your brain because it's part of your body. And people forget that you've got to keep your brain healthy. Energy intensive challenges that require conscious processing. It's like what you and I are doing now. We are actually exercising our brain and creating these new neural pathways in what we're doing. Even this morning, part of keeping your brain agile is forcing yourself to use areas you don't normally activate. 
when I was drinking, I wouldn't have these thoughts. I wouldn't be thinking like this. There was no thought process going on. No, you probably so, had your little uh, routine of where you what made dinner, <laughs> drank your wine. That's it. And, and then uh, it was bedtime. Right. And I then didn't. you woke up the next day in um, shame, regret, remorse, yes. wanting to die. And that consumed your home. That was your life. You're this little yeah. tiny friggin' circle. So that frees, look how much room that frees up in your mind every yeah. day. You don't have to live through that. But um, so and let's it, talk about these pathways. Yeah. Let's get and down. then it, this, this says that uh, you take on challenges and you push you, that push you to mental and physical exhaustion because this forces your brain to change the way it works. This is the way in which new neurons are grown and strengthened to connect either to connect to existing pathways or create new ones. Okay, Polly. So we have uh, the brain and we have these connections and they grow as we grow. Um, and then, but our, our brain, our brains are, are, they call it neuroplasticity. We can build new pathways in our brain. What do you have on that? We both know how alcohol is damaging to a person's health, but this one, Neurons um, in alcoholism and addiction, neurons are damaged beyond repair, but the brain does attempt to heal itself when damaged by making new connections as workarounds for the damage. This is called neuroplasticity. And when we develop a habit, the brain creates a path in itself to support that habit. As we engage in the habit over and over again, the pathway becomes well-worn and stronger. It's like building a trail, if you think about it. As we engage in the habit over and over again, like I say, it's well-worn and a well-worn path and it's stronger. And it's similar to lifting weights. If you lift a weight over and over again, the muscle gets stronger. So the pathway, the addiction pathway gets stronger and stronger. And the addiction can be explained as a neuroplastic event because you're training the brain in a particular behavior. You're training your brain to want alcohol. Boom. And then it says you damage those neurons. So the brain has to repair itself. The, the, the brain is damaged and it's not firing yeah. right anymore. And, and this pathway, it's powerful. It's, it's strong. It's powerful. It's that new trail or it's that old worn trail. And we've talked about this before. It's hard for you to get off that trail. It's so powerful. Mm -hmm. And you don't care about your, well, you do care, but the pathway is more important than your family, your friends, uh, your job, whatever consequences there are, that pathway is so strong. You can't get off that pathway. Correct. And it's just destroyed. It destroys your life is what it does. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, what you've got to then do is create a new loop in your brain around the damage. Boom, a new pathway. Yes. And you have to learn. And, and then you teach your brain, where you've taught your brain to want whatever the addictive substance is, sex, drugs, alcohol, whatever, shopping. You have to create a loop around that addiction. And you start creating, yeah, the pathway. A new pathway. A new pathway. You have to change direction and create a new pathway to teach your brain to enjoy recovery. But right? the first thing that comes with that, Polly, is you have to stop. If it's alcohol, you oh, have yeah. to get off the alcohol. 
You yeah. cannot you cannot build a new pathway and continue to be drinking alcohol. If, no, if you, you have want, to. Yeah, you have to get off the alcohol, and it's going to be. This is where it's going to be different or very difficult for you. Now, some people, and, and just so everybody knows, we're not doctors or, or no, counselors no, no, or no, nothing. No, no. We're just a couple of people like online. I'm a little old lady. <laughs> we're online. We're trying to figure this out. We're, we're ex. We're educating ourselves. Right. And I've been in addiction over 40 years and that's all I know about. I, I'm not licensed in anything. So we're at the ARC, the alcohol recovery college. We're taking the course <laughs> on alcohol recovery. <laughs> so there, there we are. We have to get off the poison because nothing yeah. can happen. Now this is going to get uncomfortable. Polly, because that pathway is strong and it's going to be calling is going to do everything that it can, because we know it, it knows your emotions. It, it knows how to manipulate you. And like in the beginning, when I used to do these posts, I was talking about having like this gremlin in your head, mm -hmm. pulling levers, pushing buttons, throwing tantrums, opening every file of every memory that you ever had, scattering that around in your head. And this can be miserable for you, but you, you have to go through it. The, the only, <laughs> you know yourself, it's like this just said, you don't become a bodybuilder in five minutes. You got to put in the work and it's hard work. And sometimes you just don't want to do it, but guess what? It's worth it. And you can retrain your brain and change your life. It's possible. I mean, everybody learns well, new not only is at possible, any time in their that's, life. That's what our brain does. Our yeah. brain builds new pathways constantly. And this is our main focus is addiction. Everything else falls away. So now we're going to switch that around. Yeah. We get off the alcohol or whatever drug it is. And it's miserable. And it can be miserable for a while. And it's going to be probably miserable until you start learning to build the new pathway that's going to be stronger than that old pathway. Now yeah. I did, I started building my new pathway with using ACT, Cl aware, awareness, clarify, turn around. Annie Grace has that on, um, it's on the internet and you can look it up. You can start using a tool. There's a lot of different tools. Some people use the 12 steps that helps yes. build new pathways. They're staying away from the uh, alcohol or whatever substance. They're focused on the 12 steps their program, whatever their program may be, they're focused on that. So the more they focus on their program, the, the more, the further away the addict voice gets from you because mm -hmm. you're building new pathways. You're so retraining your brain. I use the act. Some people use 12 steps. Some people like smart recovery, but whatever you're doing, you have to build pathways and they've got it. It's not just like building any pathway. You're going to have to build a pathway to specifically address the addiction pathway. You have to build a wall between the old and the new. You've literally got to put a dead end on the old pathway. But you, you can't. It, it, it will never. There's it's never, not going to go away. No, and there's never a dead end. In fact, no. there's always like this little voice mm -hmm. and it's so quiet now. Um, I've got my pathway voice locked up in a cage with duct tape over its mouth. That path pathway has zero power. If, if something happens in my life, happy, sad, whatever, 
and that pathway starts trying to manipulate me, I just laugh because I know in my mind that pathway is trying to get out. I built a pathway that's stronger that actually automatically goes and bites that addict voice on my behalf because that's what pathways do. Consciously, we can only do a few things at a time, mm-hmm. right? I mean, let me see you try to type, talk to me, tap your feet and rub your head at the same time. Don't be right? silly. <laughs> you can't. I mean, there's only so many things that we can do, right? Mind you, you're asking a woman, she multitasks. So, you know. But you can't. <laughs> no, how many can't. things can you multitask? Probably two things at once. And that's my most. Okay. Your subconscious is multi. It's got a hundred billion pathways going on at once. A hundred mm-hmm. billion. A hundred billion pathways going on at once in your sub in your subconscious. It's powerful. And that one, that one um, pathway is powerful, but by building the, the new pathways of, of sobriety. And that's why, like, I get up in the day and it's like, oh man, what a great day. I don't feel like dying. I, I feel fresh. I feel good. My mind is clear. I go through all the whole day and I acknowledge um, my, everything that's good in my job, um, that I can have whatever relationships Gratitude. I have. Here's the, all of that reinforces these new pathways that we're building. Mm-hmm. I don't really have the cognitive dissonance going on anymore, Polly. No. I've built a new pathway. So now my conscious, unconscious is come into agreement with my new conscience, not because of the old pathway, I've severed it. I've quieted it down and I've built a new connections. So now my conscious and my not in conflict. There's no more. I'm in agreement. There's no conflict. You're in agreement with yourself. You're agreement in agreement with yourself, and you've got your brain to a place of whole health. What they call whole health. Putting the drink down is the start of your journey, and it has to happen in order to start the journey. You can't start this journey if you're still holding the bottle, putting stuff in your arm, shoving stuff up your nose, or whatever it is you're addicted to. So, is what I've found out. Once I got off the alcohol because of all the different crazy things in my life. Now I have all these things that I have to address. And then you step into recovery. Once you get the alcohol out of the way and you, you get your mind to agree, you've built that pathway. Mm-hmm. You get your mind to agree. You don't have that battle with the alcohol. Then you get to start addressing other areas. And th- there is, a, there is a lot of joy in discovery. And like you say, Life happens. Shit happens. Excuse my French. Nothing is consistent in life. Well, there's one consistency. There's two consistencies. A, you're born and B, you die. And those are the two guarantees. You get here and you go. The in-between that, you have to live. And I would rather live the way I'm living now than the way I was living because that wasn't living. Now I can actually say, for the first time in 20 years, I'm alive. So today, our very dear friend, Joey Levin, has yes. um, 16 months today. Mm-hmm. Yep. So and uh, things were really good for her up until about the seventh month, remember? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there, were, there were, she's been through a lot for nine months. She's been through a lot. And she's and, worked through it all sober. Right. But it's been very difficult for her at times. We even brought her back on one time and we mm-hmm. talked a little bit about it. And 
what was it two weeks ago she mm-hmm. made this huge like leap forward it's like a breakthrough this, it was a breakthrough mm-hmm. that's a better word and all of a sudden you can see a huge change in her and it's like she owns her sobriety now her mm-hmm. ex- authentic self is coming out she has this like new she's very confident in her sobriety now you know she owns it nine months ago she was even having a hard time driving past a cafe where a lady was sitting out drinking that triggered her now she's gone on she's been out on vacations um she's been out to dinner all over the alcohol isn't even like an issue with with joe 11 anymore but is what's really cool is she stepped into this new new becoming i guess she's becoming yeah that's a word i've used before because i mean it's a word i like because we are becoming we're becoming who we were supposed to be all along before our authentic hijacked our brain you know yeah our authentic our authentic selves before alcohol hijacked hijacked us well the um, erica spiegelman yeah who's uh, the author of rewind yeah, that's that's one of the steps of um, of managing your own recovery. Like we're all doing, we're all managing our own recovery. Um, one of the steps is becoming your authentic self. That's and it. I see that in Joe Eleven, and man, this morning it was just powerful. I mean, she's really seeing the sun come up, and it's it's a beautiful place to see people you care about step from the destruction into life and she's living you don't have cognitive dissonance yourself no really not with alcohol maybe with food no with other food with other substances yeah i can't decide between whether i want to put on a pink shirt or a blue shirt yeah well i this is more like i I know i don't need that sugar but i'm going to eat it anyway that that's more the cognitive dissonance you have now but yes. it's not the it's not the one that's destroying your life and everybody's life around you that you love. Mm-hmm. I myself, I'm not having the uh, cognitive dissonance arguments in my brain. And every one of us, because I've been watching this, every one of us that have been become hyper aware of these pathways and building new pathways. You know, not one of us are working a traditional recovery program. Not one of us. And none of us are having that argument in our brain mm-hmm. that I want to drink. I don't, there's not one of us right now. I mean, Todd's not having it. You're not having it. Uh, Sarah went to a friggin' that festival dancing around and she didn't have it then. There may be thoughts about it, but we're not experiencing an overwhelming drive in our minds and becoming a zombie and walking over. Uh, to the beer stand to buy beer somewhere, you know? Well, yeah, we're, we're discovering how to live. And we're discovering that we're actually highly intelligent people, which is what we're supposed to be. <laughs> well, we were hijacked. The point is, is we've shut down that argument. And that's, that's the hope that I want to bring to other people today, Polly, mm-hmm. especially to people that are struggling with these mental battles that they get go through all the time. You don't have to live like that. No. You can you can start building a new mental pathway today. And there's there's three books. 
Well, first of all, I started off with the Annie Grace book. Yes. It really helped me, right? I started with the 30-day experiment as well. And that, that book is just amazing. Um, and then I went on to The Biology of Desire, right? Mm -hmm. That one is amazing. And dop Dopamine Nation. And then Rewired. And we'll put these, I'll, I'll put all of these links on in the description yeah. of, of this podcast. This, these books teach you, especially Rewired. She's going to, this lady, Erica Spiegelman, is going to teach people how to rewire their brains. It's possible. I've, I'm experiencing, I went a, a long way around it. I didn't have this information. Nobody ever gave me this information, right? We're giving this information, what we've learned out. So, you know, start building your own pathways and then you don't have to run in circles because there's other things that, that are going on that we don't know about. Mm -hmm. and, and it could be, there's could be some mental health issues going on in yes. there, Polly. But get curious. It Do just a little bit every day. Erica Spiegelman talks about that. If you at least do 10 minutes a day mm -hmm. and, and that's required. If you want to change your life, uh, like Peace One says, Polly, nothing changes if nothing changes, right? Yep, that's you have correct. To do some, you have to do something to, if you want change. And even if it's a little bit of change, we're doing a lot of change. We're, lit, we're basically living our sober life 24 hours a day. So we're doing a lot. And maybe that's a big reason why we have pretty much zero cognitive dissonance in our lives, mm -hmm. you know, and we're doing so much. Because we're, because we're not, we're not being stagnant in our recovery. We're not just sitting there and letting it happen uh, around us. And well, let's talk about that. If you have water going into like a pond and there's, there's no outlet, it's going to get septic. Yeah. The water is going to become poisonous. You have to have water going in. And it's got to go out, right? Mm -hmm. And keep yeah. oxygen and rich the flow flowing. Going. Right. So if you're not doing anything, you're not going to, nothing changes if nothing changes. Nothing and then, changes if nothing And you'll changes. become septic. Yes. And in recovery, it, it, I, this was something I, I found the other day. And it says, some days you feel good because you actually absolutely smashed everything on your to-do list. Other days you feel good because you managed to take a shower. Whichever it is, uh, find something that makes you feel good today. So, Polly, you know, that's that, that's really what I wanted people to know mostly about this podcast is that there's a way out. Yes. And that, the way out is to know that you have a damaged pathway that's very powerful, that wants to take you down this one path. And it doesn't want to let you off the path. But if you start learning and developing new pathways, you can get off that path and you can build yourself a better, stronger pathway where you don't have to go back onto that pathway again. And then this battle that's in your mind is cognitive dissonance concerning alcohol. Yeah. You don't have to live with that battle in your mind every day. There's a way out of that battle, and that's building a new pathway around it. You know, this naked mind um, by Annie Grace and alcohol lied to me, Craig Beck, they, they both talk a little bit about this. 
but when you really get into it, the biology of desire by Mark Lewis, PhD, this guy's just, he's friggin' amazing. Um, he teaches, he's a professor in this stuff too, right? He's a neuroscientist mm -hmm. and he knows, he knows how the brain works because you can go on YouTube and see his video where he's giving a lecture about the brain and he Mark knows Lewis. Mark Lewis. Um, and then we have uh, Dr. Anna Lemke who came to the Zooms to the Zoom and, and talked. Mm -hmm. And her book, Dopamine Nation, is just an amazing book that really gets in the meat and potatoes about addiction. And which is, it doesn't matter, um, whatever the addiction may be, she really gets into the weeds into it. And then the newest book that I'm just loving, and this is the book that's really gonna, that's really powerful to teach you how to build new pathways. Because, mm -hmm. And she's got, she's got 10 different, I guess you would call them steps that you're going to go through. One of them is becoming your authentic self. Another one's honesty. She's got all the being grateful. She's got these certain things that you do to build, to rewire your brain. So, and she's, she's just amazing. She's a former alcoholic. So she's, uh, she lives in, she's got four generations in San Francisco. Um, she's educated herself. And, be, and she's uh, in all these, these rehabs as a counselor teaching other addicts how to get sober. And her book is called Rewired. That's Erica Spiegelman. And the book is Rewired. And, and this lady is just amazing. So real quick, that's Mark Lewis, The Biology of Desire, Anna Lemke, Dopamine Nation, Erica Spiegelman, Rewired. Those are three amazing books that can help you get a long ways and to help you stop this cognitive dissonance going in your mind. And look, whatever recovery method you're using, I mean, I, I totally believe that whatever works for anybody, there's no right way to do it. We're just talking about other means to help you fight your war with addiction. If you're AA, whatever your smart recovery, whatever you're doing, I mean, if it's working for you, keep doing what you're doing. Mm -hmm. um, and embrace what you're doing. I totally believe in the 12 steps, the way that they build us. And they're a means to, to building, to stop that cognitive dissonance too. This is more neuroscience right here versus, versus a program. Understanding why our brain took us down that path and how to rewire our brain to take us down a better path. And one thing I will say is... Um, Recovery is, is like a book. There are so many parts of it and each part can give you something, but you don't have to take everything. You take what works for you and you work with that. If, well, if you really want the recovery, you don't stagnate. You change uh, as it goes along. And like I said a little while ago, when you start your recovery journey, you're just so, so focused on not drinking. That is your main aim is to not pick up not drink. Um, one drink's too many and a thousand's never enough. Um, but then as you get further into your journey, your thought processes start changing. And you now are in a whole nother part of this recovery journey. You Well, you're in recovery. You're no longer getting sober. You are sober. You're in recovery. And you're in a whole new part of this 
compared to where you were a year ago. And each one is going to be built specifically for you. If you mm -hmm. understand, look, we can manage our recovery. And my recovery isn't the same as your recovery. You're going to manage your recovery different than I'm going to manage my recovery. Todd, mm -hmm. we're going to, there may be um, building blocks that we all kind of like use, but when it comes down to the meat and potatoes, I'm working what works for me. You're mm -hmm. working what works for you. And that's the beauty of this. And being connected with um, these sober communities is that to me is like number one. I would have never got sober with the without the IAS community. Oh my God, no! And it's it's like a twenty four hour resource at my fingertips to to express what I'm feeling or what I'm going through, and then other people giving me feedback. There's a lot of healing. They talk about journaling. That's a form of journaling, right there. And uh, oh God, well, say goodbye to everybody, would you? I will say. Everybody, this has been absolutely wonderful. And um, I'm hoping Drifter and I can do this again because I just feel like I've walked six miles around my lake because he and I chat while I walk. And I've done a six-mile walk around the lake while sitting in we're, front we're of We're going to be computer. learning about these, Holly, <laughs> like I talked We're going to educate morning. ourselves. We're going to learn about these books and we're going to start coming on and we're going to talk about these books. Yeah. Right now, we don't really know a lot about what we're talking about. We're learning. <laughs> it sounds like it. <laughs> But this is one thing I do know. I do know that I've built a, a new pathway. Right? Yes. And I do know yes. that it's more powerful than the old pathway. And I know that I am not experiencing cognitive dissonance because of what I've done. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> then We're going to say goodbye uh, because if we don't, I'll keep going for the rest of the we day. We could probably because... talk for two more hours. <laughs> yes, we can. Thank you for riding the sober train. I am about to pull into the station and get off for the first time in seven weeks. So Drifter, well, thank you so time. much. Thank and remember you. Have... to pour the poison down the sink. And also remember, no sippy, no slippy. And what would Karina say? <laughs> Karina would say not another drop, no matter what. There you go. And right. King would say, what would mother do? Anyway, thank you very much. I have thoroughly enjoyed it. And we will welcome you aboard Air Sober Trying anytime you want to come. So Amen. from Polly, myself, goodbye and enjoy your sober journey. <laughs>